0: Welcome to the eDiscovery Basecamp with Steve and Jack, where we cover all things e-discovery and beyond. Tune in each week for a new episode featuring hot e-discovery topics, amazing guests, and several other surprises. Let's adventure together.
1: Well, this is another session of eDiscovery Basecamp. My name is Steve, and I'm here with my cohort. I am Jack. Hey, Jack. How's it going? <laughs> it is. It's going
0: grand, you know.
1: So uh, today is a bit of a notable day here. we, uh, Some of you may know that we work and reside in the city of Minneapolis, and our city, our fair city, has enjoyed a bit of uh, <clears throat> media attention, uh, particularly in the last few weeks uh, around the Derek Chauvin trial. Um, just because it seems to be a very propitious day, we thought we would shift gears rather than talking about our uh, the, the topic that was scheduled for today. We're going to talk a bit about Minnesota mm-hmm. and what Minnesota means uh, to us, what uh, Minnesota has been to a lot of people over the years. Uh, Minnesota, I think, was founded in 1867. Do you want to fact-check me on that, Jack? We were seeing that on the news yesterday as we were waiting for the verdict, and they had uh, uh, an image of, I think, the judge's bench, Peter Cahill's bench, and there was a big Minnesota seal on the front of the bench. I'm seeing, according to Wikipedia, it's 1858.
0: Okay, so I was uh, not close, but not too far (laughs) off. Right, century um, you know, right write zip code wrong right. neighborhood or whatever right. it is. At least I got the era. Yeah, you got the era. That's right good enough. Right. All
1: right. Well, very good. So anyway, um, you know, I I'll start with this, Jack. I went to a, a school where in the in my freshman dorm, most of the guys that I lived uh with were from New York, New Jersey, and Boston. Mm-hmm. And they lived in a pretty small world, even though they lived in a big part of the country, big cities, et cetera. None of them had any idea where Minnesota was. I, I know exactly how that feels. I, I remember getting asked, is that near Ohio? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, is, is that uh, next to the state of Washington?
0: Is that in Canada,
1: yeah, so they really <laughs> had no idea, no interest no uh, no uh no concern but anyway uh I, d- I did have a good friend who uh interestingly uh grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and his family enjoyed a cabin for many years, maybe a couple of generations in northern Wisconsin. Not too far from Superior, Wisconsin, which is just Mm. over the border from Duluth, he was very familiar with the territory and said great things about it. Well, that's great. We have an advocate then. We do in Pittsburgh. We we have at least (laughs) one advocate. But I, you know, I've I've lived here most of my life, all but uh, five six years, and I have enjoyed living in Minnesota. Um, It's been a little tense over the last year, and particularly in the last six weeks. Mm-hmm. But we just wanted to talk a little bit about our fair state for people that may not know uh, a whole lot about Minnesota. Many people know that we've got a few lakes, couple. We're known as the land of 10,000 lakes. You're going to fact check this for me too, but I know that the number is far exceeds
0: 10,000. That's correct. Yeah, I actually looked that up not too long ago on a random internet. And it's wormhole. interesting <laughs> because I think I think Wisconsin may
1: top us uh in in terms of the total number. I think they've got close to 15,000 or maybe 15 above 15,000.
0: Oh whoa, that's
1: So anyway, we got the name for having a lot of lakes. Yeah, and did you know that the Los Angeles Lakers, that franchise of basketball,
0: started in Minneapolis. I actually did know that. I'm not a huge Sporto, but I, I knew that. So it doesn't take a
1: rocket surgeon or a brain scientist to tell us
0: where the Los Angeles Lakers got their name, right? Right. Well, you know the legend behind how the lakes were formed, right? Well, why don't you tell me that? Well, I do know it, but you're gonna tell a good story here It's not even a it's not a it's not a super long story, but it's that you know if you're not familiar with Paul Bunyan, Paul Bunyan is a legendary giant lumberjack here in Minnesota that you know is uh <laughs> lurking around in the woods somewhere, chopping down the biggest trees, and his faithful companion is Babe the Blue ox, and a lot of people say that. The lakes in Minnesota were caused by the hoof prints of Babe the blue ox that's right filled up with rainwater where where is
1: Paul Bunyan and babe uh, memorialized most famously
0: oh it's uh what,
1: what town in Minnesota
0: oh okay hold on i I want to say Duluth but it's it's not it's definitely north it's north is it Bemidji yeah I it think is, it's it's be- I yeah. think it's Bemidji. You know what Bemidji means in uh Ojibwe? Tell us. It means the river cuts through it. Yes. Which is really cool. Yeah I think. That's
1: You're, awesome. That's great. You're reminding me of some great uh historical facts. Let's, you know, as long as you brought up Paul Bunyan's name, let's <laughs> let's talk about a few other famous people, notable people that have come from Minnesota. Yeah. Over the years. Um we've got a, a mix of Uh, uh, Hollywood folks, uh, famous musicians, uh, uh, famous innovators, politicians are on the list. We're, we're a, uh, always been a, uh, democratic state as, as long as I have, have understood. Yeah. Um, so guys like Hubert Humphrey, Walter Mondale, uh, came from Minnesota. Those are those are a couple of the, the uh, most notable um, musicians. Bob Dylan grew mm-hmm. up in Duluth, which is a chilly place. Yeah. It's northeast. It's, it's right on Lake Superior. And uh, to, to see 30 below zero in the wintertime is not uncommon. Mm-hmm. And it's windy, as you can imagine. Lake Superior appears... To be more like an ocean than a lake. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A guy who changed his name when he became famous. Who is that? Hmm. I'm going to have to go with Prince. You are correct. You are correct. Paisley Park. Paisley Park, Chanhassen, Minnesota. I've been there. I've seen the setup. Uh, it, I got to see it shortly after it opened.
0: Really? Yeah. Wow. Before it was open to the public. Right. Oh, because you got to see it how it was kind of meant to be for Prince. And do you know who gave me a tour
1: of that place? Who's that? It was your father. My father?
0: Yes. <laughs> how did he get the keys well, to the castle we're, there? <laughs> we're going to talk about that later. Oh, okay. But let's not all get
1: right. get too far ahead of our skis here. All right, all right. So some other famous musicians, the Andrews Sisters. Probably a little bit before your time, Jack, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. I don't have a date on them. The Replacements, The Gear Daddies, The Jayhawks, The Suburbs, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, Morris Day, Peter Himmelman. And I pulled this one out, Hip Hop Artist, I just like the name. Jelly Bean Johnson. That is amazing. Never heard of him before, but
0: apparently came from Minnesota. Notable, a notable Minnesota legend, Jelly Bean Johnson. Yes. So we were looking for famous bands, famous
1: musicians. Um, there is one on, didn't make the list for some reason, but they won uh, Star Search. It may have been one of the first years And for those of you who are young in the audience, Star Search was really the precursor to American Idol. Uh, It was back in the 80s and 90s. um, And I believe in 1986, 85, 86, a band from Minnesota won Star Search. The band's name was Limited Warranty. And the keyboardist was my brother and your father. That is correct. (laughs) Ed McMahon hosted that show on a weekly basis, and Bob Hope was the guest host the night that Limited Warranty won. (laughs) So, my parents and my brother got to meet Bob Hope and Ed McMahon, and that was a pretty cool thing. I can
0: imagine that would be. I've only seen the really grainy video recordings of it, and I can't really tell what's really going on, but it looks like a blast. So, one thing we're going to do.
1: Is you know Minnesota is probably thought of by people who don't live here. Again, people from the coasts, you know, my my good friends from New Jersey and New York and Boston thought of us as a very agrarian culture. So farmland, right? Mm -hmm. Just uh, two lane highways, uh, tractors scattered throughout the highways, uh, cornfields on either side, that sort of thing. Yep. There's actually been a little more to Minnesota than just agriculture. We do have lots of farms, uh, plenty of farms, a decent amount, um, some of them being sold off and redeveloped as uh, suburban neighborhoods. But there are quite a few companies that got their start, have remained in Minnesota for decades. Uh, are headquartered here. Um, so I'm just going to go through a quick list of a few of those. And you I'm going to ask you to help me out with this, but uh, Target is certainly one mm-hmm. that uh, could be high on the list. Cargill, yep. agricultural-based company. Land O'Lakes, another agricultural-based company. General Mills, which really started in the same same area of industry. Pillsbury, which eventually merged with General Mills, uh, they all started here, Minnesota. We have uh, a few banks, notable banks, Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank. Um, one thing that's really prominent and always has been in Minnesota is the, the medical community. Mm-hmm. Medical device innovators have been a big uh, segment to the Minnesota economy. Medtronic, St. Jude, uh, the Mayo Clinic, the University of Minnesota. Alina Health. Alina Health. Guidant started here, merged with Boston Scientific. They have a
0: major presence here. Aveda. My hair has never looked healthier because of aveda,
1: <laughs> so we'll th- we'll throw Aveda
0: into the medical community yeah, why not you know it's uh, <laughs> maybe not that
1: that's a bit of a stretch yeah so uh a few fitness uh companies um, anytime fitness lifetime fitness Nordic track got its start here, Rollerblades, the guy who invented rollerblades, was from Minnesota and started his company here. I think that was started in a a garage. Hormel is another, probably fits in with Land O'Lakes and uh, General Mills. 3M. Who are are those guys? Well, they make sandpaper, masking tape, Post-its, and a gazillion other products. (laughs) Yeah. Too many to too many to mention. The post-it note, the post-it note is big. That guy who developed the glue for the post, it was all by accident. He was making it for something else, and then discovered it would it would work with somebody else's project who was trying to develop the post-it note, and his adhesive was way too sticky. Mm. And this guy had a bad batch of not so sticky adhesive, and they tried it, and apparently. That was the winner. Funny how that works out. It, 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 yeah, in a smart guys, innovators, but it happened by accident, you mm. know, in, in a way. Sleep number, those fancy beds that you blow up and and uh, control to mm. your special number. Yep, yep, yep. Radisson Hotels, famous Dave's Barbecue, Mm-mm. Dairy Queen. Oh, yeah, Dairy Queen. Edina Realty, Ecolab, and one of my favorites, Polaris. So that's a number of uh, companies that have uh, called Minnesota
0: their home. Honeywell, Graco, Lawson Software. You know, something crazy about the Edina Realty is that, you know, having I I grew up in Edina, and I saw Edina Realty – Everywhere and didn't really realize it was a na- like a um, nationwide company. <laughs> and I was, I think, I was down in Arizona and I saw Edina Realty, and it blew my mind. I was like, Oh my, we have one of those in my hometown. Oh my gosh, how did it make its way all the way down here? And my, you know, my parents told me that it was a national company, indeed. So
1: well, and it was started in the town where you were born and where you grew up. Yeah, the town of Edina. Which is a as a takeoff on Edinburgh. I really should say that correctly again. I'm pronouncing things really poorly today. Edinburgh <laughs> yeah. actually lived in Edinburgh for six months, but wow. Edina is a derivation of that
0: really? name, and it was founded by the Scots. Really, I never. That's why we got Edinburgh Park. Yes, but exactly. People in Edina call it Edinburgh Park.
1: <laughs> you know? Correct. They have no clue. No clue. Well, let's talk about some other people from Minnesota. All right. Uh, have you ever heard of Garrison Keeler? I have,
0: yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Lake Wobegon. Guy. Oh, yeah. We had talked about a couple of politicians. How about Laura Ingalls Wilder? I have heard that name before. Little House on the mm-hmm. Prairie. We talked about Bob Dylan Prince. Sid Hartman was a local news guy, just died uh, last year at the age of 100. But he was nationally known and probably beyond that. Uh, pretty famous guy. Ann Bancroft, John Pillsbury, Lindsay Whalen, basketball star, William Mayo, of course. How about this one from St. Paul, Minnesota? F. Scott Fitzgerald.
0: Holy cow. Who would have thunk? I, I always thought that he would be from, you know. Cape Cod. Right, Nan- right. Nantucket. Exactly.
1: Some somewhere on the East Coast. Guess not. Judy Garland. Oh yeah. Do you
0: know who Judy, who Judy is? Of course. Okay. The Wizard of Oz. You know all that oh, stuff. Excellent. See, right. Right. I am all right. You well are versed in my Minnesota people. <laughs> Jessica Lange. Winona Ryder. I'll
1: give you ten bonus points if you can guess what town Winona Ryder is from. <laughs>
0: is it Winona? It is Winona. Ho oh. ho! Ding 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 ding. And did you know that Winona is actually the Dakota word for firstborn daughter? Wow, you you really have uh, your languages down. It's important.
1: Dakota, you know, it's, Ojibwe. It yeah. is very important. It's I'm impressed. Important. I'm yeah. impressed. That's great. Uh, John Madden, used to coach the Oakland Raiders, famous TV announcer. That one surprised me. I didn't know John was from Minnesota. Hmm. Uh, John Paul Getty, that one uh, can surprise some people, too. Um, And one of the famous, most famous, I think, is Charles Schultz, the creator of Peanuts comic Strip from Mm. St. Paul, Minnesota. So F. Scott Fitzgerald and Charles Schultz, at least, from the same town. That's crazy. That's a lot of... Those names surprised me. Yeah, so Minnesota is a little more than a farming community. It's it's rich in history. It's uh, been rich in culture. A lot of a lot of music. A lot of technological innovations have come out of Minnesota, and we're going to talk about a few of those innovations. And these are I've got them in date order. I'm not going to read th- cow, not yeah. going to read through all of them, but in 1879, so that's probably where I got that one date from. Oh, yeah. Or close to it. I guess you said 1858. Yep. Uh, 1879, Great Northern Railroad. Hmm. And it's James J. Hill. So there's another famous person that uh, didn't make our list, but now he's on it. So that railroad ran from Minnesota to Puget Sound. Uh, It was the only completed transcontinental. Railroad that was financed completely by private funds, thanks largely to the land it acquired in North Dakota and Montana. The thermostat for your furnace. That's about as Minnesotan as it gets. <laughs> it is. A guy by the name, get this, from Switzerland, Albert Butts. Mm. It was called a damper flapper that allowed coal-fired fire, coal furnaces to be regulated via the world's first thermostat. Oh, wow, that was 18. a saint. Oh, I'm sorry. It was a St. Paul business. The Butts Thermoelectric Regulator Company. Honeywell, of course, uh, took over that um, that legacy and uh, that Company apparently, Butts Thermoelectric Regulator Company evolved into Honeywell International. Became one of Minnesota's most legendary
0: and innovative companies. Huh? That's such a great name. Why change it to Honeywell? Honeywell is based in New
1: Jersey these days, but they were for a long time based here in in uh, Minneapolis and. Suburbs, I believe. So guess get this in nineteen twelve the uh grocery bag with handles was invented in Minnesota. Walter 19... Walter Dubner. You said nineteen twelve. Nineteen twelve. I would have put that much, much later. Yeah. Like in my lifetime. Yeah. I was born in nineteen thirteen. <laughs> Yes. How about this? The same year, Better Business Bureau.
0: Oh, I love those guys. They're great. I get all these letters, you know, that are like, "Oh, your web domain is expiring, and uh, you got to purchase your." Here's your bill, but it's really not a bill. It's just a, you know, way for you to send them money, and then you just plug well, them into the triple B, and they say, "Don't
1: do it." Well, this grew out of something called the Vigilance Committee committees that were established. Regionally, by the advertising industry to ensure advertisements, the claims of advertisers were true and accurate. Hmm. In 1914, the Greyhound bus company was formed in Minnesota, wow. in Hibbing. Five years later, 1919, the pop-up toaster. That's life-changing. Pretty, pretty, pretty important. We're gonna, Very. you know, I know what everybody's thinking here. All right, you're proving yourself to be uh kind of a farm country, you know, bus lines, pop up toasters. <laughs> I didn't mention the uh the concrete grain silo, you know. The that thermostat. was inten- we left that out intentionally. Whoop de doo. Here's one for you, nineteen twenty two, the water skis. Hey. This is a place that you're familiar with, Lake Pepin, Minnesota. Oh yeah. It's actually uh part of the Mississippi, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a guy named uh, Ralph Samuelson. He uh, he just uh, attached eight foot long pine boards to his feet, grabbed hold of a rope behind a powerboat, and that was the first water ski. <laughs> I can't imagine that. I'm I'm. It, it, obviously, it was uh, Im, uh, changed and improved and. Uh, the shape of the ski, and I and, uh, can imagine a bend and a curve, mm-hmm. especially at the tip. I don't know how those boards would have,
0: how he would have ridden those without I, without going uh, end over end. I'm literally picturing just a guy with two, like, you know, eight-by-two strapped, like duct tape to his feet, jumping in the water, you know, <laughs> his blocks. Yeah.
1: The Milky Way Candy Bar, in 1923. Developed by Frank C. Mars, uh-huh. which uh, founded the Maro Bar Candy Company in Minneapolis. So here's another serious one, Masking Tape, mm. 1925. This was really developed by 3M, but back then it was known as Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing.
0: Thus, is, that, is that literally where, is that like the 3M? That is the 3M. I did not know that. I, I, may, I may sound foolish for not knowing that, but that's mind-blowing to me. She says Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing. Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing. Wow. They, they were
1: starting to move away from mining in 1925. Uh, they had, they had uh, headquartered on the north shore of Lake Superior in Minnesota masking tape was one of its earliest innovations was originally created for use by auto painters for two-tone paint jobs Wow! the tapes inventor richard drew would go on to develop the first transparent cellophane adhesive tape which was later called scotch tape that's correct really all right all right very good very good you're doing this without notes in front of you. I of I have, course I'm have notes.
0: Staring blankly at the wall right in front of me as yeah. you're listing off all this stuff. All right,
1: so let's get a little more serious about some of these innovations, because right, you all know, right. we talk about toasters and masking tape and candy bars and so forth. 1926. This is early. I had no idea it was this early, but the closed cabin commercial airline airplane. So imagine flying with no Roof over your head. I don't think they did that commercially. Probably did it on a private basis. Right. But it was Northwest Airways, which would later become Northwest Airlines, and then uh, sold to Delta Airlines. It was the first U.S. airline to offer a closed-cabin aircraft. It was a three-passenger Stinson Detroiter Northwest, which was founded that same year, had its headquarters in Detroit at the time, but it flew only between the Twin Cities and Chicago at first, primarily as, a, as an airmail carrier. In 1929, a group of Twin Cities business people acquired Northwest and moved its headquarters to Minnesota, operating out of St. Paul's Holman Field, which is right near the Mississippi River. Delta acquired Northwest in 2008. So you know how food travels around the country oftentimes?
0: Yes, like in trucks and whatnot? In
1: in trucks, maybe in in railroad cars, Mm -hmm. et cetera. But it wasn't very easy to do before refrigeration was available. Right. So in 1938, somebody in Minnesota invented the freight cooling system. Oh, Guy by the name of Joseph Numero and another gentleman, Frederick Jones, an inventor who worked for, for Numero, designed mechanical refrigeration to replace the ice blocks the trucking companies used to cool their trailers. Hmm. In nineteen forty, here's a uh, interesting one. The mass spectrometer for uranium two hundred thirty five. Ah, yes a guy by the name of Alfred Nier, was one of the state's most remarkable scientists. But his achievements aren't well known, perhaps because he was a physicist rather than a physician or otherwise involved in medicine. We talked about Minnesota being centric to medicine. So, Anyway, at the University of Minnesota, it's crucial in the development of a pure sample of uranium-235 Significant because that played a role in the uh, Manhattan Project, ah. nineteen forty-two. So we had the closed cabin commercial airline, but in nineteen forty-two, somebody in Minnesota at Honeywell developed the electronic autopilot.
0: Again, very early. That's that's surprisingly in, early in time for autopilot.
1: So they developed this for the U.S. Air Force and their bombers, helping pilots fly steadily enough to hit targets from high altitudes. In time, aerospace would become one of Honeywell's largest businesses. Interesting. So 1942, just before uh, the U.S. really entered World War II, that was uh, that autopilot was developed, so very timely, I imagine.
0: Right, right.
1: One of my favorites, and this goes back to my childhood, uh, Tonka trucks were founded in Mound, Minnesota. And I actually knew one of the, uh, growing up, I knew one of the members of the family. 1947, and they're still making trucks, I believe. Made in plastic now, not steel.
0: Uh, were they like l- real metal? Yes, like bulldozers and yeah, stuff heavy. Like that? That's sweet.
1: Like fairly heavy gauge steel. Oh, so you, you know, drop they, them on
0: your toe. Yeah, not a good time. <laughs> but they they
1: felt like the real thing. That's awesome. As a as a kid, you felt like you had something substantial in your hand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Package cake mix. Oh, so going back to General Mills. Betty Crocker, Pillsbury, all of that, 1947, just add water, became much more, that, that innovation allowed products to become much more stable on the shelf. So they uh, increased the shelf life. Cortisone, this is something I'm familiar with because I'm highly allergic to poison ivy. Oh. Um, but it's a common anti-inflammatory used to treat maladies ranging from eczema to chronic joint pain. It's a steroid hormone secreted by the adrenal gland in times of stress. It was the Mayo Clinic, a researcher by the name of, well, a few of them, Edward Kendall, Philip Hench, and Harold Mason, identified cortisone and its ability to suppress the immune system 1948 was the year. Minnesota made the uh, first snowblower, 1951. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't expect that to come out of Florida, would you? Or Probably not. South Carolina.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say probably Minnesota is the right spot for that. I
1: have a friend in the e-discovery industry. I kind of hope she's listening to this right now. But years ago, we were having a bit of a battle between each other. She lives in Nebraska I live in the great state of Minnesota. Uh, Did I mention she lives in Nebraska? No, actually, Nebraska is a great state. I love Nebraska, actually. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind living in Nebraska. Omaha just is don't. Just, mm. just don't tell her yeah. that I said that. I, I won't. Omaha is
0: beautiful. So we'll say.
1: we were going back and forth with innovations that uh, our states were accredited, accredited with. I chose some of... I started kind of weak. It was a little bit... Uh, like uh, uh, hustling somebody in a pool game. So I started with things like the pop-up toaster and and uh, I, I think she started weak but couldn't ever go strong because there wasn't much right. in Nebraska. So when I started getting into the uh, retract- retractable seat belt, <laughs> the uh implanted pacemaker.
0: Grocery bag with handles.
1: Well, that was my weak side.
0: What? Right? I that's, think that's all right. Well
1: that that is a pretty cool innovation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, I remember her coming up with the Reuben sandwich. Oh. And and it's it's debatable whether it really came from Nebraska. There's some controversy over that. <laughs>
0: I'm sure there is. Who
1: really invented the Reuben, and where did it happen? There's
0: always controversy over sandwiches. I feel like that's the most controversial where-did-this-come-from topic of all time. Absolutely. But I
1: do know this. Do you know why the— I'm going to say that I like to believe that I'm right about this, but do you know why the sandwich was invented? And I believe it was the Reuben that led the way in the, uh, the sandwich genre of food. Do you know why it was invented? Why is that? So poker players could continue to play cards while they ate. They needed something with their hands. They needed something to be able to eat with one hand and still hold their cards.
0: So that was the whole purpose of the Reuben?
1: That was the purpose of the Reuben and the purpose of uh, some future sandwiches. Well, So you're I saying think. the Reuben was the first sandwich? I'm saying the, I believe the Reuben was the first sandwich— This uh, individual, a friend of mine, believes it was created in, uh, I think, Omaha, Nebraska, invented there. And somebody who was a poker player invented the sandwich. So kind of parallel stories there. I'm sure the fact fact checkers are just clicking away right now, furiously. like, who do these guys think they are? (laughs) Okay, so she came up with the Reuben sandwich and another notable one. Uh, well, I, I'm I'm being generous when I say notable. Uh, keep in mind we're talking Nebraska. Right, okay, okay. Nebraska is fairly flat. Yes. Right? Yes. So what would you not expect to come from Nebraska? You'd expect the snowblower to come from Minnesota. Right. You'd be surprised if it came from Florida. What would be ironic in some innovation coming out of Nebraska.
0: Like probably like a snowboard or something like that. That's very close. I was going to say very skis, clever. but I think skis have been around a lot longer than Nebraska's been around. You are you are on the right track, Jack. You're doing very well today.
1: Excellent. A lot better than I am and <laughs> I have my all coffee, you know. <laughs> I have all the notes in front of me.
0: So you're you're doing very well. It was the chair left. The ch- oh, okay. So yeah, same is that true though? Is that really true? I I believe that one is true. I'm I'm skeptical. Oh oh, here goes the fact gotta, look this I'm up.
1: skeptical about the Reuben, only because I want to remain that way with this individual. Yeah. And
0: Nebraska. Uh, it, the chairlift was invented in Nebraska. See, despite the dominance of European companies in today's tramway business, the chairlift was actually invented in Nebraska. By the most American of corporations, Union Pacific Railroad. There you go. What the
1: heck? Well, you think there there are some some very similar parts: the wheels, the towers, the uh, the cables. There are some things there that I can I can see.
0: Um, <laughs> but what? But why? What what, what compelled them to do yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> Where? What was their target market? Was the, Was the hill like twenty feet tall? And they're like, ah, we got to get up that. It's such a pain to walk. Yeah. Up it. And it, and it had to have been done. I, I do you
1: have a year? I bet it was the 30s or the 40s. 19,
0: 1936. There you go.
1: Ah. So oh. now now that we've proven that uh, Minnesota is superior to Nebraska, um, and and Jill, if you're listening, thank you very much for agreeing with me. Uh, 1952 open heart surgery, big deal. 1953, the black box flight data recorder. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, Guess who developed that? Honeywell? General Mills. Oh, really? So there again, a surprise. So for many years, uh, General Mills had a mechanical division that developed a variety of devices. One was the black box to record data, uh, crucial for determining causes of crashes The man behind the device was collision researcher James Crash Ryan in the University of Minnesota's Department of Engineering who worked with General Mills to perfect the technology. It took years of lobbying to get airlines on board, but now no commercial airplane takes off without it. Hmm. 1955, the hearing aid. And this is not the th- the long tube or the uh, the horn the horn that stuck out of your ear. This was the thing that you would put in your ear, mm. a small device, battery operated. Ken Dahlberg uh, led the way on that. He was a, a World War II Air Force hero. Dahlberg was making hearing aids of his own, incorporating a new technology, transistors. In 1955, his company, uh, and it's Telex, I believe, created an all-transistor model called the Magic Ear, whose components were contained in a small shell that fit inside the ear. It was the first in-the-ear aid, and it made wearing a hearing aid much less of a burden. Dahlberg's company is now called Drumroll, Miracle Ear, Hmm. and remains based in Minnesota, though it's now owned by an Italian hearing aid company called Amplifon. Looking for some more interesting. So how about this one? We talked about Edina, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Right, the town where you grew up. Mm -hmm. I was actually born in Edina, part Scottish, so I'm proud of that. And I do have a kilt.
0: That's true. That
1: matches my, uh, my family clan, the McKenzie, the McKenzie clan. So in 1955 in Edina, Minnesota, the first indoor climate-controlled shopping center was developed. Again, like the snowblower is very appropriate. Minnesota's pretty cold in the winter. Mm-hmm. Not every state required or thought they needed an indoor shopping center. Right. But right there in Minnesota, it was Southdale
0: southdale was the very first and i know that you've been there i worked there i you, worked in the southdale mall where where did you work Jack? i worked at Tivana, which was a starbucks company but now is just like a, a small shelf that you see in the starbucks stores of their teas that store was amazing though i you know tons of tea loose tea the good stuff you know So
1: Southdale, 1955, uh, developed by an Austrian-born designer, Victor Gruen, changed the retail game forever when it opened Southdale in Edina. Gruen had originally envisioned something more like a mixed-use downtown and came to loathe the malls that Southdale pioneered and have since spread worldwide. It's probably no coincidence that one of the world's largest enclosed centers is just a few miles away from the original. And can you
0: tell me what that is? Is that the Mall of America, located in Bloomington, Minnesota, off Mm. 494 and 77? (laughs) Stone's throw from the Minneapolis airport. It is. You are correct.
1: Here's another uh, appropriate innovation, the snowmobile. Mm Mm-hmm. We talked about the implantable pacemaker. That was 1957. A guy by the name of Earl Bakken developed the pacemaker, battery-powered. It could be worn inside the body. Previously, they were large machines that had to be carted around next to the patient. Really? Very inconvenient, I'm sure. Sounds terrible. So with this device, Bakken launched the company medtronic now a global med tech giant and i i knew the son of this guy um and yes it, the groundbreaking heart surgeon c walton Lillehei was as, was associated with this breakthrough as well he asked Bakken to create such a device after one of his heart patients had died hmm. that's pretty cool yeah Here's one that'll surprise you. Unlike the snowmobile, the snowblower, the indoor shopping mall. How about the deep sea submarine? Here we are in the middle of North America. Yeah. And Minnesota creates the deep sea submarine. Hey, we have some deep lakes, you know. Can can you guess? Well, Honeywell had a lot of involvement in developing uh innovations and products for and, and then I think they still do for the uh, Defense Department and the Armed Services. Who do you think, uh, therefore, helped develop the deep sea submarine?
0: Uh, Honeywell.
1: <laughs> no, nope, it's a company that makes Cheerios general mills oh, again
0: oh why is it so it's like it's it's all over the place you know like
1: it's very confusing
0: it is like and, and the funny thing is knowing like how minnesota inventions work it's largely by accident so it's oh our pressure cooker for the uh you know oatmeal flakes that we like to make somehow actually spurred the idea for the deep sea submarine you know or something like that yeah it's uh it's good so they made the black box data recorder ah, mm-hmm. in the deep sea
1: submarine. We'll see if there's if there's more to talk about. But that was 1962. Also in 1962, the Skyways, the Skyway concept, the Skyway system. Yep. Um, a lot of people don't know what that is, but Minnesota is, if you've ever been here, we're pretty famous for it. Yep. Those of us who live here call it the human habit trail <laughs> because it's a, a series of above ground tunnels that really, rather than going under the street, they go over the street, and they're usually encased in glass. Um, on a cold winter day, they're usually pretty chilly, but in the Class A buildings downtown, they're nice and warm. They have nice carpet and oh yeah, clean windows usually, and people will walk all over downtown Minneapolis inside on a January day when it's 20 below outside, and not even worry about having a coat, right? You can walk from one side of the town to the other literally inside. You can you can actually walk from Target headquarters to the US Bank Stadium, which is where the Minnesota Vikings play. Mhm. And by skyway, I'm guessing that's about 2 miles. Yeah. At least. It would take uh it would It would take you 45 minutes, 40, 45 minutes to do that.
0: Yeah. But you'd be
1: inside. 1963, the retractable seatbelt. Ah, that's the one. So the seat, not the seatbelt that would just lay flat, but the one that would, uh, was spring loaded Mm. and would retract. Again, oh, it's the same guy from, uh, Uh, It's the Minnesota engineer, James Crash Ryan. Gosh,
0: genius, you know. So you
1: remember what else he created? That thing that uh, 3M was involved in, the black box data recorder? Yeah,
0: yeah, the black box.
1: So a company by the name of Controlled Data. These guys used to be a giant in the uh, tech industry, but I think they've long since been forgotten. 1963, they developed the supercomputer. It was used to model complex phenomena such as hurricanes and galaxies. It was considered the world's fastest computer until 1969 when its successor, the CDC 7600, well, I skipped past that. It was the CDC 6600 was the fastest. Then the 7600 came along, went right by it. One of the lead developers on the project, Seymour Cray, would leave Control data to start his own supercomputer fir- firm, which put Minnesota more firmly on the mainframe map, though control data was has disappeared, and Cray, Inc. has its headquarters in Seattle with a s- sizable office in St. Paul, Minnesota. IBM's Rochester facility continues to work on supercomputers. Here's a good one. Uh, 1966, the uh prosthetic heart valve but even more importantly 1964 when i say the word twister what do you think i'm talking about
0: the game with all the colored spots uh, on it you are correct yeah I, I was worried you were
1: gonna say that that thing in the sky that gets really dark and starts to spin around <laughs> the movie twister a classic you no, know just the uh the uh the the environmental
0: phenomenon yeah oh yeah yeah right tornadoes
1: (laughs) twister has never gone out of production and has enjoyed revivals over the years oh yeah so we mentioned that the nordic track was developed here when when
0: do you think that was what decade what decade i have no idea i I remember we used to have one in our basement it was all (laughs) the way it it was
1: really the cross-country ski machine That was the first Nordic track. I actually still have one of those. You do? In storage in my garage. Holy cow. So they first uh, designed and developed that in 1977 in Chaska, Minnesota. Ah,
0: Chaska is the Dakota word for firstborn male, as contrasting to Winona, which is Dakota for firstborn female. So I'm
1: guessing Winona Ryder... Was the firstborn female in her family.
0: That would be what the, the word would mean, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know if it's logical or not. <laughs> Who's to say? I don't know.
1: So I went to school with uh, uh, high school, junior high and high school with members of this family. But uh, the, the grandmother, I believe, uh, Rose Tatino and her husband Jim, ran a uh, frozen pizza business. They sold it to Pillsbury in 1975, but Rose uh, joined Pillsbury as a vice president and kept working to improve her work on frozen pizzas. And in 1979, she came up with the Crisp Crust Frozen Pizza, which I'm
0: a big fan of. Oh, yeah. It, like that's how you got to do it. So, almost. I, I don't
1: like soggy crust frozen pizza. I like crisp of crust course. frozen pizza. Partly because it's really hard for me to say. Yeah. Uh, and it would be
0: uh, less hard on a different day, I believe. What was that? Uh, what was the brand of pizza? Totino's. T- oh, it was Totino's. Oh my gosh.
1: Yep. That's awesome. Uh, 1980. Rollerblades, 1981, Satellite TV Broadcasting. Mm -mm. Can't just sneeze at that one. No, A guy by the name of Stanley Hubbard (laughs) took a huge gamble starting U.S. Satellite Broadcasting, a risk that included his family broadcasting company launching its own digital satellite, the first ever for TV broadcasts. After 13 years in development, the satellite could transmit dozens of channels to an 18-inch satellite dish. Dozens of channels. Dozens. And now we're dealing with hundreds, maybe more. Yeah, dozens of channels. 1984, microwave popcorn. 1987, the sleep number bed. Hey. 1991, the breathe right nasal strip. Now we're getting into some serious stuff. Here's one for the books. 1991. I can't say I'm proud of this, but they did look good in the Minnesota Vikings colors. Purple, yellow, and white Zubas Oh yeah Zubas were invented
0: in Minnesota I have a pair of purple Zubas You do? I do And how long have you had those? Uh, A couple years, four or five years probably
1: The Minute Clinic 2000 For all those people that Desire quick service Fast turnaround It's important Shorter lines. Shorter lines, indeed. The fast anthrax test. The Mayo Clinic is noted for that one, 2001. It was in, developed in the wake of 9-11. Letters containing anthrax spores were mailed to several news media offices and two U.S. senators, killing five and prompting a nationwide scare. Wow. Working with pharmaceutical firm Roche, Mayo researchers developed a test to detect anthrax bacteria in human and environmental samples in less than an hour. Fear subsided, but the r- test remains on call. 2007, the tactical micro-robot, Recon Robotics developed this at the University of Minnesota. It was called the Recon Scout, a small remote-controlled robot that allows military and law enforcement personnel to see into dangerous situations without putting themselves in harm's way. Huh. Recon Robotics has since developed other throwable minibots for the military, and it's now
0: throwing the idea into other markets. Cool. It's a lot of inventions, a lot of really... Cool and, and helpful invent like the the medical presence of Minnesota. You know it's strong. There's a lot of ingenuity there, as well as you know microwave popcorn. Well, there you know there are
1: key industries. I I would think. I mean some core things like agriculture is pretty important because yep. food is pretty important. So mm-hmm. General Mills and Cargill have played a a big role in that. Land of Lakes a big role. Uh, yeah. The medical community and innovations not only innovations but uh, incredible health care mm. you know, United Healthcare being a part of that but uh, the Mayo Clinic Fairview Hospitals University of Minnesota is a major uh, medical uh, establishment I do know one thing that's not on the record and in the notes is that, hospitals dedicated just for children and we have one here in Minneapolis it's called Children's Hospital mhm was started and invented really the concept invented by a guy uh, a guy by the name of Oz Wyatt he is the grandfather of a good friend of mine Andy Wyatt oh I believe that was in the 20s or 30s wow. that that started. He recognized that children needed and deserved specialized care. And he really started the whole field of uh, pediatrics as a result. Wow. Children were just treated by general surgeons right and they were kept or they were if they were hospitalized they were kept in regular hospitals and this man recognized that children deserved and needed special attention and that happened here in Minneapolis wow well it has been a, a very busy week uh, for us here in Minneapolis we are uh, glad to be on a calmer side of things uh, we look forward to seeing life come back to more of a, a normal state in uh, the coming days and weeks and months. Uh, it's a beautiful place to visit. I encourage any of you who have never been to Minnesota to come to Minnesota and experience it. Come in the summertime. Come in the late spring early fall don't come in january yeah don't and, do it <laughs> unless you're a, a, an avid ice fisher person right or would like to experience ice fishing for the first time i'd be glad to take you it is a pretty cool thing and it doesn't it's not miserable it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and that's the whole point is uh you know we we like to say here in minnesota there's no such thing as bad weather it's just mm-hmm. bad clothing. So, <laughs> so with That's that, true. we're going to close out. Jack, do you have any,
0: anything you'd like to
1: say as a closing remark? Uh, a very big week, a big time in our history.
0: I would say uh, I am just thankful for the legal industry and the hardworking legal professionals out there in the world and everything that everyone does on a weekly, daily, yearly basis and all the hard work that everyone puts in just thankful for all that great
1: excellent so
0: we'd like to give you a
1: special reminder to take extra time uh, in the coming days to reach out to family uh, contact people that you haven't talked to in a while give a an extra big hug to those that that you see every day and show them how much you care about them and for everybody else, for your friends, your neighbors, the people you work with, make sure you let them know that they matter. So that's it for the eDiscovery Base Camp today.
0: Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the eDiscovery Base Camp. If you have any questions, comments, or want us to cover a certain topic, email us at info at We'll see you next week.